keeping with the tradition and of practice, allow me to begin by bowing to my right and bowing to my left. I will now request delegates to observe, observe a moment of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Honorable delegates, before we proceed, I would like to remind you of the, the following, that the virtual sitting constitutes a sitting of the National Council of Provinces, that the place of the sitting is deemed to be Cape Town, where the seat of the National Council of Province is, provinces is, that delegates in the virtual sitting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in the sitting of the National Council of Provinces, that for the purpose of a quorum, all delegates who are logged on to the virtual platform shall be considered a present, that delegates must switch on their videos if they want to speak, that delegates should ensure that the microphones on their gadgets are muted and must always remain muted, that the interpretation facility is active and that any delegate who wishes to speak must use the raise your hand function or icon. Having done that uh, and having said what I've just said, honorable uh, members, we now move on to motions. And we now look at uh, uh, notices of motions. Uh, honorable members can have an indication. Uh, the first is uh, Honorable Shaikh. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chepperson, and greetings to yourself and to all honorable members. Honorable Chepperson, I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that the House in its next sitting debates the success of the asset forfeiture unit in the past few years, the unit has made confiscations to the value of 1.7 billion since, since 2002 in 48 matters referred to it by the Special Investigation Unit. I so move. Thank you, Honorable Shaikh. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Shaikh. We'll move on to Honorable Mtetwa. Honorable Mtetwa. Thank you, Chairperson of the House. Uh, I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that the House in the next sitting debates the numerous complaints about racist practice in the property sector, including race-specific requests from the landlords. The Western Cape seems to be um, a hotbed of this racist practice within 15 complaints already in the past few weeks. I, I, I saw move. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable uh, Ryder. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. I'll start by saying a very happy St. Patrick's Day to all the members here and everyone watching. Uh, God bless all here. 
Chairperson, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move a motion that this House debates the impact of above inflation increases to bulk water and bulk electricity on consumers and on the municipalities and their financial viability. I so move. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, uh, the problem with my screen here, uh, we need to move it a, a bit. Uh, the next person to, to speak will Honorable be... Kilian. Honorable Kilian. Honorable Kilian, yes. Honorable Kilian. Thank you, Chairperson, and greetings to everybody in the House. Chairperson, I hereby give notice on behalf of the African National Congress that in the next sitting, the House debates the impact of sex scandals and accusations leveled against former MEC Albert Fritz of the Democratic Alliance and the attempt to cover up by the Premier and the effect of this horrendous crime against vulnerable and poor young woman, I so move. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Kellyan. Zanda Mela. Zanda Mela. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, uh, I rise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that the Council debates in its next sitting the inadequate uh, provision of basic services in rural municipalities including the delivery of water and sanitation, of which it has been a clarion call by our people for decades. I so move, Chairman. Thank you very much, Alexander Mel. Uh, we will then move on to uh, motions without notice. Uh, uh, we'll start with Honorable uh, Gillian again. Honorable Gillian. Zandamela, Gillian, sorry, Zandamela, uh, Honorable Honorable uh, 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 Bosch. Uh, yes. Let's, let's start with uh, uh, Gillian first. Honorable Gillian. Sorry, Chairperson is an old hand. I will wait okay. now. Old hand. Uh, let's let. Uh, I, I just ask the table there to prevent vigilant and remove uh, remove old hands. Please do that. Uh, Honorable Lutuli. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I hereby rise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters that the Council notes uh, the high rise Yozame, Nogubulawa, and Bonin Yamategis, Old Kubegala, Yogazul Natal. Uh, sipping the foot sitting in the house Oguti. Yes, the balance of Bulawabatos and Disa Ibado, Lining is in Africa, Ekakulka Zemponia Mategis, Jongova Zizining is a Kamego, who is Sifundaz, Ekakulka Zendamans, a Sotongas, Everlem, Ogin Yagatsui, Etheko, Ogulawabanigas, Mategis, Ganigani, Nabashai. Acknowledge that this, this has generated a series of hitmen available for hire. And when conflicts in the taxi industry are sparked, uh, this spill over to affect the safety of commuters, uh, bystanders, as well as local government uh, officials. 
further acknowledge that the rights and the freedom which the constitution entrenched are for the citizens are threatened every time a citizen become a victim of these crimes. Asikupeki sisi uguti, lububu kebengu buya anda lapa eningizim Afrika jangoba kunga chesiswa mundu. We therefore uh, call on the government to display leadership and put an end to sexy violence. I so move. Thank you, Chaperson. No, thank you very much. Uh, any, any objection? Uh, none. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of uh, Section 665 of the Constitution. Uh, uh, Honorable Malika. Thank you, Chairperson. I rise without notice on behalf of African National Congress that the House notes with appreciation the appointment of Judge Raymond Zondo as the Chief Justice of South Africa. Further notes the general respect that Judge Raymond enjoyed amongst different quarters of South Africans in his legal expertise. Therefore, call upon this House to formally congratulate Chief Justice Raymond Zondo in his appointment and wish him well in his new leadership role. I so move. Thank you very much, Honorable Malika. Uh, any objection? There being no objection, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable uh, uh, Smith. Honorable Smith, there's a problem there. Honorable Smith will come back to him. Uh, Honorable Ryder. Thank you, thank you, Chairperson. Whoops. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chair, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes the rise of nationalist groups in Gauteng mobilizing xenophobic sentiment. Notes the opportunistic populism of certain emerging political parties fueling the xenophobia. That we acknowledge the long and cooperative relationship that South Africa has with our continental neighbors. That we embrace the diversity of cultures that make up our rainbow nation. That we call upon the Minister of Home Affairs to move swiftly to eliminate red tape backlogs and corruption within the department, that we call on all those living within our borders, whether born here or not, to cooperate with one another and pursue a life of harmony, and that we denounce the actions of xenophobes and xenophobic organizations. I so move. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Ryder. Uh, any objection? None. There being no objection, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the of the constitution. Honorable Dango. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, allow me to arise on behalf of the African National Congress, noting that this August House notes with pride the success of the National Prosecuting Authority in prosecuting corruption cases related in the Free State that according to the report by the head of the NPA in the Free State, Advocate Subaru, there are currently eight cases involving the Departments of Agriculture, 
health, education, and human settlement with strong prospects of successful prosecution. And there are a number of cases already concluded with 10 people found guilty and sentenced. It is our belief that this demonstrates the successful efforts of renewal of the criminal justice system. We therefore call on this August House to salute uh, the team in the, in the free state for their successes and wish them well in their further investigations. I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, any objection? There, be, there being no, no objection, the motion is therefore agreed in terms of section 65 of the, of the Constitution. Honorable Ndongeni, I see your name has disappeared from the screen. The Honorable Christian. God. Chair. Yes, please Chair. proceed. Okay. I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House knows the appreciation, the good results achieved by South African women's cricket team in the World Cup currently being played in New Zealand. Also note that the South African team has won all three games they played so far, improving their chances to play in the semifinals. Therefore, congratulate the team with their good results so far and wish them all the best in their coming matches. Thank you, Chair. I so moved. No, thank, you, thank you very much. Uh, any objection? None. There being no objection, the motion is, is therefore agreed in, in, in terms of uh, Section 65 of the of the Constitution. Uh, Honorable Christian. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that during the ministerial briefing session, on water and sanitation, on the progress in eradicating the gaps in the provision of water and sanitation. This past week, the Minister Senzo Mtuni indicated that he was unaware of the infrastructure maintenance woes of the Solplaiki municipality, but that he would investigate the matter promptly. Notes that on the 21st of April 2021, Premier Zamani Sol released a press statement on behalf of the provincial government stating that they are concerned about the service delivery challenges facing the Salt Lake municipality and the resultant discomfort and anger amongst residents in the city. Further notes, the Premier indicated that an, that an amount of 500 million would be allocated to this repair. 180 million rand for road maintenance to deal with potholes, 20 million rand to address water and sewage leakages, and 15 million rand towards cleaning the city. Notes with concern that none of the above has been resolved. Notes with further frustration that various national stakeholders have tried to intervene in the city's further deterioration. The president has visited the city, indicating his disgust at the deterioration. The deputy president visited the city and added his displeasure. And recently, the public protector and a deputy were in the city about the damaged sewage plant infrastructure. Also notes that the residents of Kimberley have now taken to social media, posting pictures of the massive amount of potholes, fresh water leakages, sewer leakages, and general dirt spread in and around the city. Further notes that during a Solplaiki council meeting, the municipality CFO indicated 
that they never received a cent of the 500 million rand. He further indicated that if the premier's office administered the funds, they should indicate what work and where it was done in the city. A further recommendation was made by the municipality during this meeting to investigate what happened to the 500 million rand, as no visible work has been done in the city. During this meeting, it also came to light that 4.5 million rand was paid directly to a supplier who was not registered to do road infrastructure work. Additionally, this municipality owes Eskom 458 million rand and the water board 102 million rand. Lastly, urges that the Premier of the Northern Cape, Zamani Saw, be called before the Standing Committee of Kochte with the necessary reports of the expenditure of the 500 million rand. That the Premier give a full report on why the money was not allocated to the municipality for urgent infrastructure repairs in the city. And that he gives an account to the residents of Kimberley of the 500 million and the rapid further decline of the city. I so move. Thank you very much. An objection? Yes, objection. We must. Uh, there being How can you object? Objection, the motion may not be proceeded, proceeded with. Very sad. Very sad. Kimberly is in a state of disrepair. No, thank you very much. We'll, we'll then proceed to Joking. Honorable Arnold. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Moima is in denial. Moima is a denialist. I hereby rise on behalf of the economic freedom fighters that the council notes the recent decision taken by the National Energy Regulation of South Regulator of South Africa to grant a 9.61% increase to the cost of electricity. Further notes that South Africans have a right to access to electricity. Electricity has become an integral part of daily life and is important for the survival of citizens and has made daily living a little more efficient. Acknowledge that in the midst of high levels of unemployment, a dwindling economy, an unprecedented increase to the cost of living, an increase in the cost of electricity is a cruel addition to the misery of the poor. Further acknowledge that the hike in the cost of electricity is a source of frustration for many South Africans who always have to navigate through other price increases, including the cost of food, water, and petrol. Recognize that the increase comes in a context where the nation is still subjected to rolling blackouts and insecurity around electricity supply. We therefore call on the government to protect ordinary citizens of South Africa, for it must not be the responsibility of ordinary people to rescue ESCOM from blatant mismanagement by paying more for a basic need such as electricity. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Arnold. Uh, any objection? None. The motion is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the of the constitution. Honorable Bartlett. 
Good afternoon, honorable chairperson, honorable members. Chair must just apologize for my video not being switched on. Uh, Chair, I raise a motion of uh, notice. I, without notice, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House firstly notes that angry residents fed up with crime took the law into their own hands when they attacked, when they attacked three suspected robbers on Monday the 14th of March. Secondly, I also know that one suspect died on the scene and another on the way to hospital, while the third was receiving medical treatment. Thirdly, we also note that the three men were attacked in social distance informal settlement in Fuleni after they were found with stolen items. Fourthly, Honorable Chairperson, I therefore call on the community not to take the law into their own hands, but instead work with the police to fight crime in all, all areas. I so move, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection? There being no objection, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Boshoff. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, Chair, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes with concern the release of the quarterly crime statistics in Mpumalanga, which shows a highly concerning incline of rape cases in the province. Also notes that three of Mpumalanga's police stations are now among the top 30 in the country with the most cases of rape reported. Further notes that according to the quarterly report for October to December 2021, the police stations in Masoi, Kabukweni, and Pina are the rape capitals of Mpumalanga. Again notes that at the Masoi police station, 45 rape cases were reported. At Kabukweni police station, 45 cases were also recorded. And at Pina police station, 40 ca 42 cases of rape were recorded further recognizes that the report also has placed Kabukweni, Dalmas, and Mkondu amongst the top 30 police stations across the country, which saw major increases in reported cases of rape compared with October to November 2020. Notes that other serious crimes in Mpumalanga have also increased, and further notes that under a DA government, the livelihoods of the citizens would be at the forefront and every necessary step would have been taken to rectify these problems to allow for these citizens to live in a safe and crime-free country. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Any objection? There being no objection, the motion is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the, the Constitution. Are there any other further motions without notice, honorable members? No, none. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll now proceed to the subject of the, of the debate. Uh, uh, before we, 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 we go in that direction, uh, please allow me to welcome the Minister for Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, uh, Minister Nkosa Zanatlaminis-Ruma, MECs and all special delegates uh, to this the city. We shall now proceed to the subject for debate as, as printed on the order paper. 
debate on state capacity, building a developmental state to take the lead in building a better life for, for all. I now call upon the Honorable Minister, Honorable uh, N. Lamine Zuma, Minister of Cooperative Governance and International Affairs, to open the debate. Minister? Minister Damini Zuma. Unmute, so, unmute, Minister. I was talking. Yes, I've unmuted. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. Oh, Please sorry. proceed, Minister. Uh, Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Deputy Chairperson, MECs here gathered, Chairperson and members of the Select Committee, Honorable Members and Distinguished Guests. Thank you for this opportunity to participate in this debate, which seeks to explore the measures we should undertake in building a developmental state to take the lead in building a better life for all. This is an important debate that will contribute to enhancing our understanding the role of the developmental state in securing a better quality of life for all. The need for the developmental state is best characterized by the Reconstruction and Development Program, the RTP, which says, and I quote, our history has been a bitter one, dominated by colonialism, racism, apartheid, sexism, and oppressive labor policies. The result is that poverty and degradation exist side by side with modern cities and a developed mining, industrial, and commercial infrastructure. Our income distribution is racially distorted and ranks as one of the most unequal in the world. <coughs> Lack of wealth and abject poverty characterize our society close quotes. According to the RTP, the South African developmental state must I quote, integrate growth, development, reconstruction, and redistribution into a unified program. For the RDP, the key to these linkages is an infrastructural program that will provide access to modern and effective services, as well as the training of all people. The South African Development State, therefore, has the obligation to meet basic needs whilst opening up previously suppressed economic and human potential in urban and rural areas. In this outlook, the pursuance of basic needs and human development spares economic growth and not vice versa. Therefore, the ANC believes in more state and not less state. We are believers in philosophy advanced by Professor Omonu Edijeki, which holds that no development state, no development, close quote. 
Our views are also aligned to the Constitution, which in part says, I quote, we, through our freely elected representatives, adopt this Constitution as the supreme law of the Republic so as to improve the quality of life of all citizens and free the potential of each person. Our constitution further recognizes that the three spheres are distinctive interdependent and interrelated spheres of government which need to collaborate, integrate, and coordinate. And of course, section 152 and 153 assign developmental duties to the local sphere, which are to provide democratic and accountable government for local communities, ensure the provision of services to communities in a sustainable manner, promote social and economic development, promote a safe and healthy environment, and encourage the involvement of communities and community organizations. Honorable Chair, additionally, in Chapter 7, the Constitutional calls on the National Legislature to provide legislation a code for a role for traditional leadership as an institution on matters affecting local communities. In advancing all these objectives of the local sphere of government, Section 154 calls on the national government and provincial governments by legislation and other measures to support and strengthen capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs, to exercise their powers and perform their duties. However, that we aspire to be a developmental state does not mean we are one. We must fulfill four basic conditions and criteria to become one. First, the developmental state must have a long-term vision and a plan by which it mobilizes all of society. As the Korean economist, Dr. Hang Joon Cheng says, and I quote, the Korean economic miracle was the result of a clever and pragmatic state mixture of market incentives, and state direction, close quote. Secondly, the developmental state must be in possession of sufficient legitimacy and mobilization capacities to capture the imagination and inputs of the citizenry. Thirdly, it must be in possession of the necessary technical capacity and capability, as well as systems to implement its short and longer term objectives. Finally, the state must be trusted, ethical, and professional. Chairperson, the National Development Plan establishes an overarching long-term development, developmental vision to eliminate poverty, reduce inequality, and create jobs for the year 2030. The plan is supported by medium-term objectives as contained in the medium-term strategic framework as approved by the 
National House of Parliament, Houses of Parliament. However, in reviewing the NTP, the National Planning Commission was of the view that the plan does not tackle its objectives with sufficient rigor and detail. Taking that into consideration, as well as the conclusion of the 25-year review of democracy, which found a lack of horizontal and vertical integration and coordination, government developed the district development model to enhance our way of doing things. The DDM through district and national one plan and budget complements the invest rural master plan, which we reported on in the strategy session, in the strategy session of this house. As we said then, this is an important and transformative initiative driven by the national and provincial houses of traditional and Khoisan leaders, which will radically change the face of rural South Africa if properly implemented. Implementing the DDM and invest rural strategy, we have interrogated the endowments of each district and have found commonalities such as talented people, land, sunshine, and at times unique endowments. We have also found that old practices such as breeding cattle, goats, sheep, and chickens in rural areas still exist. However, we must explore ways to modernize some of these practices and then more th make them more profitable and economically viable for the people. We, we've also found that some old practices are also dying, such as that of um, growing food and vegetables. If we see a lot of land lying fallow, which used to be um, very productive. Again, we must modernize and encourage our communities to return to the fields, as this is key to feeding the nation and the continent. After all, the true measure of a developmental state is the societal and transformative impact it has. In this regard, and to address youth unemployment, we've partnered with the National Youth Development Agency in Pumalanga as a pilot to remodel um, the CWP. Thus, we have enrolled uh, 27,626 youth, vulnerable and youth participants in three districts and 19 sites. These participants engage in ventures such as agriculture, construction, maintenance, teacher support, as well as home-based auxiliary services in the context of the Community Works Program. The developmental state cannot succeed outside a skills revolution, which is why 
we want to remodel the, the, the CWP community works program so that it does give the young people who participate in the people who participate in it portable skills which will allow them to get jobs or create jobs. The developmental state cannot succeed outside the skills revolution. And it must therefore address the growing concern concerning 9.1 million young people who are not in education, employment, and, and training. By addressing these, we can also close the national skills gap and requirements at municipalities. For instance, South Africa has one artisan per 2,000 citizens as opposed to the global norm of one artisan per 30 citizens. So we can see that we are still far just with artisans. Therefore, we have deployed 94 professionally registered civil engineers and electric engineers, town planners to the 44 districts, district municipalities. To complement this and promote youth empowerment while supporting these deployed professionals in all of the districts, we have also enrolled 144 newly qualified and unemployed young graduates whom we inducted just two weeks ago. These young professionals are in the fields of town planning, project construction management, environmental management, as well as civic and electric engineering. In addition to this, we've recruited 39 young people into the MISA experimental learning program. These young people come from the provinces of Eastern Cape, Free State, Malanga Northwest, and Western Cape, and will utilize this opportunity to earn technical qualifications in areas such as plumbing, whilst also supporting municipalities and operations and maintenance. Through the MISA apprenticeship program, we've reunited an additional, sorry, we've recruited an additional 89 young people from all provinces to give them on their job training so that they too may qualify as artisans. So these graduates, experimental learners, participants, and apprentices are working with municipal officials to plan and complete projects so that they too may receive their full qualifications and professional registration. Some of the municipal officials they are working with may have left the education system long ago and due to work pressures, they would have not had the time to learn and adapt to new technologies. So in this regard, we've already trained 519 municipal technical support staff in all our municipalities through short-term and technical refresher courses. Given our history as a country, we deliberately undereducated and recruited people as cheap labor. We've provided qualifications to 52 general workers 
under the recognition of prior learning framework in the provinces of KwaZulu-Natal, Free State, Limpopo, and Northwest. We are also conscious that we must close the long-term skills gap in the municipalities, as well as in the infrastructure and built environment sectors, so that our nation may meet its aspirations. In this regard, MISA is currently supporting 15 municipalities with assessments of their technical capacity gaps. This will result in finalization of the individual and institutional capacity development plans as part of our contribution to the infrastructure sector. We have this year issued an additional 90 bursaries under the MISA bursary scheme. The bursaries have been provided in the areas of infrastructure management, engineering, town planning, project management, and environmental management. These students join the 160 students we have recruited since the start of the program two years ago. Chairperson, we are also acutely aware of the capacity limitations of municipalities that are not strictly confined to the technical areas. That's the department is currently undertaking nationwide online skills audit for all municipalities, which incorporates the necessary competence frameworks for the different occupational streams for all municipal staff below the management echelon. As we have said before, a developmental state must drive a particular agenda. At a local level, we believe that agenda must capacitate municipalities to play a greater economic development role. This will enable municipalities to attract the necessary capacities whilst raising sufficient revenues. We must also de-emphasize passive service provision. It must promote active citizenry and locate the role of municipalities in the active promotion of efficient local markets and inclusive growth. For us, this is core subject of the social compact exercise alluded by the president in the SONA. Gradually, we are working towards shifting the attitudes and culture of those who serve the public, including public office bearers, to create the will to serve and promote good ethics in the three spheres. We are collaborating with the School of Government in the delivery of ethics training modules. Although they have inducted the new councils, these councils will also be subject to the revised and mandatory code of conduct, which insulates the local administration from political influence. To complement this, in September, we promulgated the local government municipal staff regulations. These set uniform standards and procedures for municipal staff establishment, recruitment, selection, appointment, performance management, and transfers of municipal employees. These regulations also introduce a competency framework, which is the first step in ensuring that we have the right people in the right jobs, thus laying the foundation for a more professional public service in all spheres of the cooperative government sector. Chairperson, in our history requires that South Africa develops its own unique brand of a developmental state. There can be no doubt of its utility and the societal leadership role it must assume. It must have the capacity and capability 
to lead and mobilize all of society by, behind this common agenda. Our experience at Local Sphere tells us that such a compact must have a local soul. Consequently, the role of the Local Sphere is critical in the delivering the promise of a better quality life. The local economic development dimension of that promise are also critical. It is therefore a firm view that our collaboration with the House will enable us, with this House, will enable us to consolidate our base as we move faster with determination towards securing a better quality life for all. To do this, we will this year undertake an important and inclusive 21-year review of local government. It is our sincere wish that this House will participate and guide us as we undertake this exercise. For it is only a developmental local government that can turn our aspirations of a developmental state into reality. I thank you for your attention. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Uh, we will now move on to uh, Honorable Ex Nata. Uh, and I'm sure Nata would have noticed that the minister really kept to, to, to a time and set uh, a very good standard. Honorable uh, Nata. Yeah, thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Ministers, uh, Minister Nkosazo Nadlamini Zuma, Deputy Ministers uh, present, members of the NCOP, uh, my colleagues, Honorable Embassies uh, from other provinces, and uh, Honorable Premiers, Honorable Members of the Sixth Provincial Legislature, and uh, all government and parliamentary officials, uh, leadership of SALGA. Uh, distinguished guests. On behalf of the home of the legends, I wish to convey greetings to everyone in the plenary of the National Council of Provinces. It is our singular honor to take part in this important uh, debate in building a capable developmental state to take lead in building a better life for all. Honorable Chairperson, this debate is important in the context of renewing both our country and the after, in the aftermath of the disastrous coronavirus. Like global economic crisis that broke out in 2008, the end of the global mineral commodity supercycle in 2011, and the global shocks, the aftermath of COVID-19 pandemic has worsened what was already a crisis high level of under unemployment poverty and uh, the associated crisis of reproduction, where households are barely able to meet their day-to-day -day needs. Under these conditions, uh, Honorable Chair, people cannot be surrendered to the whims of the market, a developmental state that asserts national interest, that intervene in the interest of the majority, is a precondition for our country's ability to overcome the current crisis. A developmental state is usually associated with high economic growth, and an example would be Japan in the 1950s and 80s, South Korea in the 1960s and 90s, and China since the 1980s, and Brazil since 2000. All are examples of developmental state, most of which grew at phenomenal rates. 
Today is perhaps an opportunity to assess our progress once again about how far we've gone on the journey we undertook to build a developmental state in South Africa. We would like to urge you, Honorable Chair, that for any progress, it must be always be premised and be measured on the basis of how the lives of the, of the majority are improving. The key question today is whether our state has sufficient capacity to achieve its mission of building a developmental state. It is perhaps important to start from the beginning and ask ourselves how we shall see when we have achieved this noble goal of building a developmental state. At early stages of this debate, we agreed on common features of a developmental state as a country. Our own organization, its 52nd conference of, uh, that is of the ANC, uh, agreed on the features of the state, uh, a developmental state which must have. The first of those is a developmental state which must have necessary intellectual capacity to plan and monitor socioeconomic transformation, must articulate vision and engender and analyze the balance of forces to present possibilities and, and options. That is a state that values education, which is an opposite of what happened during the state capture period, where there's been an erosion of the value of education. The second one, the developmental state must have the coherence, planning and coordinating capacity to ensure an integrated strategies and priorities are, are resourced and implemented. And uh, thirdly, a developmental state must have the administrative and technical capacity to implement policy and strategy. And fourthly, it must have the capability of mobilizing and disciplining capital in the national interest, that is asserting national interest against uh, the whims of the market in the interest uh, you know, of the majority. And uh, the other fifth uh, pillar is that it must be embedded in the alliance with progressive popular forces to avoid capture by narrow political elites and parasitic elements and avoid drift towards uh, authoritarianism. These are the key features of a developed state uh, that were agreed to by our 52nd uh, conference of the African Congress. It goes, therefore, that as we renew, as we measure how far we've gone, as we renew our country to deal with the damages of the state capture network, we've got to build on these elements. We've got to have a mobilized people to be part of changing their own condition. We've got to have the ability where the people's population are mobilized across, uh, you know, the cross-section of the southern population are mobilized behind this vision. A few years ago, our country, South Africa, adopted the National Development Plan Vision 2030, which constitutes a broad framework around which development must be taken. According to the NDP, I quote, the national plan must attack the blight of poverty and exclusion and the economic growth at the same time creating a natural cycle of expanding opportunities, building capabilities, reducing poverty, involving communities in their own development and dealing with the rising uh, 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 standards, uh, close quote. The NDP provides a broad vision of overall economic and social development 
which integrates economic, geographic, social, environmental, and governance elements into a coherent framework. Uh, with the NDP's vision, the critical instrument will drive government medium-term policy agenda, include new growth path and the associated national infrastructure plan, the industrial policy action plan. These are the instruments that seek them to drive the vision of the NDP. And therefore, the NDP is the economic strategy designed to shift the trajectory of economic development, including true identified drivers of uh, job creation, which include then the industrial uh, policy action plan to guide uh, the reindustrialization uh, of South Africa's economy, uh, to ensure that uh, we reverse, in our case, uh, the outward migration uh, of our people in the Eastern Cape to other areas uh, because of its ruralness. And therefore, this strategy must help us reverse the legacy of the migrant labor system to ensure that the people of the Eastern Cape we create conditions through industrialization of our of our province to, that compels the people of the Eastern Cape to want to go home and leave Gauteng and leave uh, Western Cape and other provinces because conditions have been changed because of the interventions of our government. The NDP, therefore, is a critical pillar in building a developmental state as it is required to have a coherence, planning and coordinating capacity to ensure an integrated strategy is to ensure that priorities are resourced. This is quite a very important thing that uh, we would want to highlight as we debate uh, the, important, the importance of a developmental state, that priorities are, are reversed, that uh, some of the you know, developments as we deal with the current crisis uh, are not contributing positively, whether it is about austerity measures, whether it is about cutting on social expenditure, that will not uh, be a solution to the crisis that we're facing. As the NDP is calling, we must resource priorities, not cutting on expenditure on these priorities. The local sphere of government is playing its part in ensuring the coherence in the planning and to mobilize various sectors of society to achieve the broad national goals and therefore achieve developmental state. President Ramaphosa in the State of the Nation Address pronounced the need a, few, a year ago or so to pilot the developmental, the district development model, and one of the four municipalities which were identified, including our own district municipality, uh, O.R. Tambo, here in the province. In terms of the DDM, uh, the districts and metros are the landing strips for all government plans and private sector investment where they are landing. And DDM is designed, therefore, to increase the scale and the space to interact intergovernmental inter planning coordination through cooperative government and, uh, and, uh, and IGR. And that, among other things, the DDM seeks to achieve the following. Uh, it enables an, and, uh, a rational and justification for priorities, projects or actions, intervention, one budgeting and spending in a single space in a long-term trajectory. And it makes it possible to agree on one plan that will elaborate on transformative areas that will also inform the master plan, for instance, in our case of a new coastal African city uh, in the part of uh, Port St. John's, which we refer to as the Eastern Seaport Initiative, uh, under the leadership of uh, uh, Dr. It also seeks to mobilize stakeholders to commit funding on agreed commitments and projects in a particular defined area. 
Honorable Chairperson, one plan, one plans uh, for yeah. all districts, a visionary and transformative yeah. framework Your time. in relation to each district and the metro. Your time. Oh, Honorable Chair, it is a, a, a privilege for us to have participated in this debate. As we take forward the work of building a territorial state, let us remind it of the wise words of Amika Cabral that we must always bear in mind that the people are not fighting for ideas, for the things in anyone's head. They are fighting to win material benefits, to live better and in peace, to see their lives go forward, to guarantee the future of their children. Thank you, Honorable Chair. No, thank you very much. Uh, we'll then move on to Honorable Sleku. Honorable Sleku. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, and fellow South Africans, good day. Chairperson, contrary to what the Ramaphosa faction in the ANC want us to believe, the collapse of good local governance did not commence with the Zuma era. In 2009, the Dinokeng scenario team, led by Mampela Rampele, Archbishop Jongongulu Ndungwane, Bob Head, Grasa Marshall, Vincent Mapai, and Rick Manel stated in his conclusion, and I quote, we have a weak state with declining capacity to address our critical challenges, unquote. They warned that, I quote, the ANC did not understand what was needed to run a democratic state and that leadership across all sectors became increasingly self-interested, unethical, and unaccountable. Make no mistake, those were signs of state capture and systemic corruption and whilst most sectors became concerned, not the ANC, they committed to cater deployment, chronism and tenderpreneurship. The ANC extended the gap between rich and poor and weakened the vital abilities and honest intention of municipalities to serve the people with good municipal services. As a result, we, the good people of this land, are reaping the sour fruits of local government implosion, where the ANC governs. Over the years, there were good plans facilitated by the ANC. Chairperson, I asked the state capturing political elite, what happened to the RDP, GEAR, ASGISA, NGP, and NDP? Chairperson, the ANC loves to show off a shiny new policy every few years a shiny election tool that brings no tangible long-term benefits to the millions of desperate South Africans. Now they will still blame apartheid, COVID-19, and even the war in Ukraine for South Africa's governance decline and the subsequent lack of funding to govern municipalities properly. The theme for this debate is building a developmental state to take the lead in building a better life for all. I remember this, I remember when this was an ANC election slogan, Seems these days the only ones enjoying the better life is ANC cadres. And then we have the Minister of Culture, who has tasted absolute power and now does not want to relinquish it. There is no justification for extending the state of disaster when we are recording single digit deaths. The time has come for you to step out of the COVID limelight, Minister. Voorzitter, the innerste lucht aan the einde van die tunnel is that the ANC bezig is om homself te vernietig Dear Sai Praktai van Bantjes for Boetis and the Verreiking van the Eyerly Elite and in 2024 by the Volle Mach van the Mensa's Woede 
een verwerping gestraft zal worden. Is it possible for the new government of 2024 to turn municipalities around and to rescue municipalities? Is it possible to once again serve the people with good services? Chairperson, it is, and yes, we will. Chairperson, I read a brilliant article by Dr. Michael Falcon, and I quote, good local governance at a time that is needed most. He speaks about the four pillars of effective local governance, values and ethics, transformational leadership, innovation and co-creation, and strategic planning. These pillars will result in public trust, civic oversight, transparency, accountability, and sustainability. These pillars are embedded in the democratic alliance, and these pillars form the backbone of good local governance in municipalities where the DA governs. Han Kijkmar na die weeskap en specifiek ook na municipaliteiten soos Mosselbaai en Midwal. Chairperson, a key reason why municipalities fail is that incompetent cadres and politicians do not understand the real problem, namely the structural collapse in local governance. The report, The End of the Road, compiled by Dr. Tracy Ledger, and Mr. Mashate Rampedi notes that the actual problem in municipalities are structural. Chairperson, capacity building is a pie in the sky as the cadres have no will to be developed as real municipal functionaries. In 2018-19, 100 million was spent on consultants in a, in a frantic last attempt to correct accounting failures in municipalities. Dr. Ledger and Mr. Rampedi pointed out that limited attention was paid to structural impediments indicating that fiscal frameworks cannot be funded as the good people cannot afford the basic cost of services such as electricity and water. This is a vicious cycle. Consumers, rich and poor, cannot afford services as the prices of these services include the cost of state capture and corruption. As a result, municipalities cannot raise sufficient income and become less dependent on the national treasury. But here is the thing. National Treasury is actually cutting transfers to provinces and municipalities in a frenetic attempt to reduce the budget deficit, which can expose the country's fiscal framework as useless. We can create a capable network of local governments if we restore values and ethics, transformational leadership, innovation, co-creation, and strategic planning. Voorzitter, maar voor dit kan gebeur, moet die volgende echter gedoen word. Ons moet focus op oplossing voor structurele gebreken. Die praktijk van kaderontplooiing moet gestopt worden. Corruptie moet gestopt worden. Die gebrek aan municipale capaciteit moet gestopt worden. En in 2024 gaan die ANC gestopt worden. Ik dank u en Kossi. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Sleko. We'll then move on to Honorable Tudov. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Can I request that uh, I be uh, unmuted in, in respect of my video, please? Yes, I just want to hear you. Yeah. I want you to see yes. my face. The, the host has disabled my, my video. Can the host correct it, please? Yeah, we'll have the, 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 the table there to, to assess, okay. but in the meantime, please do proceed. In the meantime, let me continue, Honorable Chair. 
Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Amos Masondo, Honorable Minister of Cogta, Dr. Nkosazana Damini Zuma, Honorable MECs from different provinces, Chief Whip of the NCOP, Honorable Saiso Mohai, Representatives of Salga, Permanent and Special Delegates, ladies and gentlemen. On the 19th of June in 2019, at the start of the sixth democratic parliament, when President Cyril Ramaphosa delivered the State of the Nation address, he identified seven key priorities for the sixth administration. Building a capable, ethical and developmental state was one of these seven priorities. Honorable Chairperson, it is our firm belief that the achievement of these priorities will constitute an important milestone in addressing the triple challenges of unemployment, poverty, and inequality, and to put our country to a trajectory of sound political stability, economic prosperity, and social justice. In the context of, the, of what the ANC stands for, our primary role must remain to mobilize all of our people for fundamental change and social transformation. We, as the living beers of an unbroken legacy of more than 110 years of struggle for unity, non-racialism, non-sexism, democracy, and prosperity in our land, we must continue to advance this course in order to realize these strategic objectives of our struggle. Honorable Chair, to achieve all of this, the government has, during the sixth administration, adopted a district-based approach to development called the District Development Model, focusing on the 44 districts and eight metros to speed up service delivery ensuring that municipalities are properly supported and adequately resourced. As we assess the state capacity, Honorable Chair, to fulfill the developmental objectives of our society, the focus of my debate this afternoon will be on local government, where the stumbling blocks are glaringly exposed. Indeed, it is at this sphere of government where the task of social transformation have proven to be complex, protracted, and stubborn than it was initially anticipated. Honorable Chairperson, therefore all spheres of government must build on the work that has already begun to address problems of poor governance, inefficiency, and financial sustainability. The building of a capable, ethical and developmental state is one of the cornerstones to deal with these challenges and to realize the vision encapsulated in our national development plan. Today, as we speak, there are many challenges facing our municipalities requiring urgent attention. These challenges, if left unchallenged, will not only make us a failed state, but will destroy the moral fabric of our society and the very solid foundation we built since 1994. 
central to these challenges, Honorable Chair, are the political governance and leadership problems which lead to financial instability and always cause service delivery to our communities, leading to further instability, protests, and the collapse of municipalities. Honorable Chair, in its assessment of the state of municipalities in 2021, the National Department of COCTA found that in fighting in councils, intra-political divisions in caucuses, and external political interference in councils lead to the, to the vulnerability and even the collapse of municipalities. And when the municipal councils are not meeting regularly, when they take wrong and unlawful decisions, when there is lack of oversight by councils on administration, when council committees are dysfunctional, and when you have councillors unduly interfering in administration, especially on staff appointments and tenders, these governance problems in municipalities are exacerbated. In addition, Honorable Chair, if there is no consequence management, especially on corruption, maladministration, nepotism and poor performance, the crisis afflicting municipalities shall not be resolved. Honorable Chair, many municipalities are also vulnerable as a result of increasing and accumulated unauthorized, irregular, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. What compounds these problems is that some municipalities are able to collect revenue, while others continue to illegally adopt unfunded budgets where the expenditures exceed their incomes. The municipalities in rural parts of our country are mostly affected by all of this. They are cash-strapped because of low tax base and lately because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which continue to have dire negative consequences for all of us. As a result, such municipalities are able to provide minimum service, basic services to the people and also and able to timely pay their creditors, including escrow and water board utilities. To compound these problems, corruption and other acts of financial malfeasances have generally collapsed municipalities. As such, Honorable Chair, these municipalities are able to implement infrastructure projects, leading to delays, incomplete projects, and municipal grants diversions. Honorable Chair, as a result, communities of all of this, communities experience infrastructure neglect and rundown, potholes, sewer spillages, as well as water and electricity losses. Therefore, as a result of this, Honorable Chair, with the need for fundamental renewal and rebuilding of local government has gone bigger, and the demand for accountable responsive and efficient local government has escalated. We need to consolidate development through reliable and quality-based services such as water, electricity, better roads and houses, and increase the state capacity 
to address the very services and collected waste, sewer spillages, potholes, and water flowing from pipe bursts. The government must engage other partners to support key infrastructure backlogs and maintenance. There is a need, Honorable Chair, to maintain an equitable share of resources in line with constitutional and intergovernmental mandates to support the stabilization of local government finances. In addition, the following must be addressed as a matter of agency. The government and coordination framework offered by the district development model and the resourcing of local government structures to, to, to be taken forward urgently. Also to address the uneven state capacity leading to an even performance in local, provincial, and national government. Honorable Chair, as the President, as, as President Ramaphosa asserted in the forward of the ANC election manifesto, we face a moment in history where we must choose between the path of division, conflict, destruction, inequality, and exclusion, and the path of unity, hard work, development, inclusivity, and shared prosperity. We choose the path of unity, hard work, development, inclusivity, and shared prosperity. In order to strengthen the capacity of local government, as the ANC Honorable Chair, we have adopted a local government barometer as a quarterly monitoring and evaluation instrument and a report card to have an updated updated on the degree to which we are monitoring our, our commitments made in our local government manifesto. Also to record progress and address challenges in governance. But we are using this local government barometer as well to monitor whether ANC councillors and local government leadership are living up to the pledge to voters signed before the local government elections. In conclusion, we say, Honorable Chair, the communities need councillors who will be fiercely committed to fulfill their aspirations. They need councillors who understand the demand of the revolution with, with unremitting clarity and therefore work selflessly for the betterment of local communities. These communities too need councillors who will never lose sight of their people, their needs, their fears, their joys, their aspirations, their dreams, and their hopes. And taking this particular forward, it will be quite important to ensure that we strengthen the capacity of the government to achieve all these particular objectives that we have set for ourselves. Standing here, bickering here, like Honorable Sileb is doing, will never take our country forward. It is their agenda to ensure that they identify whatever they think in their own imaginations that are problems afflicting the ANC. We are committed in what we are saying. Even the plans that we have adopted and councillors adopted, it clearly demonstrates that as the ANC will force ahead, will resolve whatever problems that we are, we are experiencing and ensure that indeed and genuinely so, we present a better life for all of our people. This politics, as I indicated, 
It's nothing but just a waste of time and to ensure that they deal with the ANC and they will fail as they have failed in the past, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Dodovo. Uh, we'll now move on to Honorable Dugwana. Uh, Honorable Dugwana. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson of the NSOP. Uh, Honorable Member Ndademasondo, uh, and other presiding officers, Honorable uh, Minister Dr. Ngosa Zanadamini Zuma, uh, Chief Whip Honorable Seiso Mohai, Deputy Ministers present, MECs, Salga representatives, Honorable Members and Delegates from provinces. The NCOP represents a central focal point from whence to direct the work of the democratic state, both through legislation and various accountability mechanisms enshrined in our constitution. The NCOP has the ultimate responsibility to propel the march towards building a better tomorrow for all our people, to improve the quality of their lives and to ensure that the executive operates within the purview of the existing legislative framework brought about by years of struggle. In a sense, members of uh, this NCOP symbolize the collective aspirations of the people of our country, majority of whom live in dire conditions born out of centuries of systematic exclusion and oppression. Our people look to this institution and other interventions which center the applied and privilege their socioeconomic advances. The responsibility that resides here extends beyond what any other South African could shoulder in a lifetime. The people of our country expect all of us to crack the whip in order for the rest of us to do the right thing for them. They expect this honorable house to ensure the executive delivers on its mandate of securing better lives for our people. The NCOP remains a tribune that protects the right of our people against economic deprivation, gender oppression, and racism. It is thus unsurprising that not many people live to contribute towards the country's developmental path at this level. For me personally, as indeed many of our people, there could be no better place to participate in the debate on South Africa's developmental trajectory than in these chambers. I must indicate from the onset that participating in this debate is arguably one of the most unerving challenges in my life as an activist. Perhaps in part because there is no universal understanding of what constitutes a developmental state. And so one traverses a heavily contested terrain characterized by many competing ideas and indeed contradictory conceptual apprehensions. At the basic level, there's universal agreement that the developmental state is charged with the responsibility of directing economic activity in such a way that the endowments of the country, both human and capital, benefit the people as a whole. With the assistance of a multiplicity of stakeholders, the developmental state must use legislation and various mechanisms 
to leverage economic opportunities in ways that combat poverty and put all our people in good stead as envisaged in the Freedom Charter. Of necessity, all social formations that government, business, organized labor, and civil society must be mobilized into a coherent whole to achieve developmental objectives. However, some quotas insist out of sheer convenience that the state must not play a central role in marshalling economic opportunities in order to defeat poverty and build a better tomorrow for our people. Interestingly, this sentiment is limited only to countries in the Southern Hemisphere. It will seem there are standards for developing uh, economies and the rest of the world. As Ghana Merit argues, I quote, the pre-existence of advanced nations changes the context of latecomers. It can produce backward effects that retard development in the latecomers, or it can provide very useful lessons for the latecomer, unquote. For us in the ANC, the most invaluable lesson we learn in the context of struggle is that all challenges, no matter how mighty, can be overcome if there is unity of purpose. Because of our colonial and apartheid past, this unity of purpose must take shape across the diverse racial and ethnic formations, class backgrounds, and within cultural and religious groups. The idea of a developmental state is not a completely new concept on the African soil. What constitutes the content of a developmental state is captured succinctly in the ideas of former president of Tanzania, Julius Nyerere, who located the genesis of social progress within the context of an attitude of mind. He argued that it is an attitude of mind that determines the success or otherwise of any country more than the lofty and well-sounding ideas we often uh, bog ourselves down with. Tandi Gamkandawiri argues that developmental states are not an end in themselves, but an instrument for attaining particular goals. In this case, catching up, the rapid economic transformation and growth. So what matters in the collective aspirations and intent to develop, unquote. From the standpoint of the ruling African National Congress, the 2007 strategy and tactics located the South African developmental state within the context of four important interrelated features. The first attribute of a developmental state in our conditions should be its strategic orientation and approach premise on people-centered and people-driven change and sustained developmental based on high growth uh, rates, restructuring of the economy and socioeconomic inclusion. The second attribute should be its capacity to lead in the definition of a common national agenda and it's in mobilizing all society to take part in its implementation. Therefore, such a state should have effective systems of interaction with all social partners and exercise leadership informed by its popular mandate. The third attribute should be the state's organizational capacity, ensuring that its structures and systems facilitate realization of a set agenda. Thus, issues of micro-organization of the state will continue to receive attention. This includes permutations among policy 
and implementation organs within each sphere, allocation of responsibility across the spheres, effective intergovernmental relations, and stability of the management system. The fourth attribute should be its technical capacity, the ability to translate broad objectives into programs and projects and to ensure their implementation. This depends among others on the proper training, orientation and leadership of the public service and on acquiring and retaining skilled personnel. But what do these mean in practical terms, Honorable Chairperson? It is that this unthinkable that any human and social progress can obtain without single-mindedness, which galvanizes our society into a common vision. We shall be doomed to fail as a society if we fail to give meaning to our developmental trajectory and locate our people at the center as key drivers. It is the people as a whole who will the necessary temperament and strength to sail this beautiful country of ours to the pinnacle of developmental path. Whereas our government has since 1994 channeled enormous resources towards resolving apartheid legacy challenges of poverty, indecent accommodation, degradation, sanitation, second-rate healthcare, and general exclusion from modern life. We need to appreciate the necessity of building sustainable growth for future generations. There is a correlation between thorough economic growth and meeting service delivery needs of our people who are growing patient of delays in improved quality of life. It is necessary to reverse the legacy of, apartheid, of the apartheid past and restore the humanity of our people. On the other hand, we need to build a resilient economy that contributes towards growth. In a sense, we must ensure the living standard of our poor are improved immediately by producing, by providing basic services such as water, sanitation, housing, and so on. Whilst at the same time ensuring that there is sustained economic growth, in this regard, educating our people should decidedly be an EPEC's priority. The importance of this balance cannot be overemphasized. In its effort to achieve a, de a developmental As state. As you conclude, uh, Honorable Dubuana. Yes. The ANC historically committed itself to a reconstruction and development program, at the center of which was a drive to fundamentally transform the economic complexion of South Africa. The ANC government understood that without directing the tempo of economic transformation, it would have failed to use this electoral support to change. The Abulela Mkhegazi. Thank you. Honorable Dukwana, thank you very much. Um, uh, as, as I step down and hand over to Honorable Nguenya, we'll ask Honorable Miletane uh, to please uh, proceed. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, good afternoon, Chairperson, Honorable Members, and the Minister. The Chairperson, the economic freedom fighters have since inception stood at the forefront of the struggle for state development and the building of our country 
to its fullest capacity so much that the development of the state of the EFF for the state is well placed to drive the economical and industrial development of its people. Chairperson of the session, we have to acknowledge that as a country, we are at an all important turning point of our democracy. We face a number of challenges, which should point out, which should point us towards the direction of a developmental state. For ours is a state heading for failure. Our country stands for far, our country stands far removed from our concept of development state. It has swayed away from the direction of economic development and our capacity con uh, continues to de deteriorate. Government has failed to create jobs, increase skills levels or tackle poverty. We live with large in income inequality, which are worsened by settlement patterns, which see poor communities living on the outskirts of town, in informal settlement and in remote uh, rural areas. The current condition of our people is of a society where thousands face severe problems in assessing even the most basic services, such as water, sanitation, electricity, and refuse remover, with public services worse among those areas where the majority of our black population resides, causing an ever-rising tide of protest. Under the leadership of the ruling party, we have struggled with these structural challenges, which require socioeconomic and industrial change. The Zondo Commission finds findings their testimony to this. As our inequality is widening, racism and xenophobia at an altar time high. With graduates sitting at home unemployed, corruption remains a serious challenge as it cripples the ability of a state to pursue its commitments to economic development by draining resources away from economic development goals. The loss of revenue has had tremendous consequences for the economy, including negative impact on economic growth, lost jobs, and the explosion of public debt. This consequence affects the most economically marginalized and poor. These conditions, which we speak, which we speak of, are not surprising, as the former liberation movement has surrendered its developmental responsibility to the private sector, which has on countless occasions demonstrated that it has no obligation to develop South Africa and has long proven this. Yet the ruling party remains hell-bent on the privatization of South Africa as it continues to sell, to sell off key stakes of states owned uh, enterprises. We know this from the most recent opportunist move to finalize the partial privatization of South, Afri South African Airways and from their deliberate collapsing of state-owned enterprises such as ESCOM, the post office, DINEL, 
and transnet. It is therefore of utmost importance that we commit to building and maintaining much needed infrastructure for the social and economic development of any nation is facilitated by the provision of adequate and functional infrastructure. Such development can only come about through placing the state at the center of its development, for states by their nature shape the development. The development of a state, therefore, cannot be left to market forces, as the leader of the ruling party has suggested, but rather the state should be built to such capacity that it does not fall victim to state capture. It is important that now, more than ever, for the state to play a central role in the, in, in the socio, socioeconomic development of the country so we may transform our country from poverty to an advanced economy. As the structure of our economy has not changed much since democracy. What is needed is a shift to a capable state which will improve the quality of work and use its, its capacity to drive local industrialization and development of the economy. A capable state as envisioned by the EFF is therefore not a minimal state indifferent to the suffering and injustices faced by its people, but rather it is a state which uh, intervenes and provides for conditions which shall guarantee the fundamental rights of all its people. But above all, what is required in South Africa is a shift in leadership to a decisive one which understands how state procurement and service can boost the creation of jobs. A leadership which will rescue state-owned companies from the control of private sector. For it is the state which should act as a vehicle through which to transform the economy, create jobs, and provide long-denied needs, including land and housing. It is the state which should play a leading role in strengthening growth and spreading prosperity for all South Africans. It is the state which should deliver on jobs and basic services. It is the state that must deliver houses, roads, schools, hospitals, dams, airports, railways, and sewage disposal plants. For the development of public infrastructure would improve the standard of living of our people. As infrastructure promotes economic growth, reduces poverty, and improves service delivery, we ought to unite to build state capacity. As free and free the ruling party from the chains of privatization. For building a state capacity through capable states is one of the many steps towards the economic development of our people. I thank you, the chair of the session. Members, honorable members, the next speaker is Honorable S. Tomuka, KwaZulu Natal, MEC for Copta.
Over to you, Honorable Samuka. Thank you very much, uh, Chair of the session. Greetings uh, to yourself. Greetings uh, to Minister Mama Dr. Kozovedamini Zuma. Greetings to leaders of um, NSOP, Honorable Members, uh, Deputy Ministers, uh, MECs. We want to chair to observe the protocol. It is widely accepted uh, that it is a deep and wrestling problem with state capacity, and that is having a significant impact on our society and economy and reconstruction and development, the effectiveness of every government department and entity, and ultimately on the delivery of basic services of communities. Uh, Madam Chair, the medium term project framework of 2019-2024 defined the developmental state as one that, I open quote, aims to meet people's needs through a developmental participatory public administration, close quote. The definition, uh, Madam Chair, uh, also states that, open quote, building building an autonomous environmental state driven by the public interest and not individual or sectional interest embedded in South African society and leading to an active citizen through partnership with all, uh, with all sectors of society, close quote. Uh, Madam Chairperson, uh, this definition indicates that in order to build the capacity for an effective and efficient and accountability or accountable uh, developmental state, we need to ensure that leaders and senior officials of the state institution are able to plan and implement the sustainable development plan uh, projects and also use the research method and collect and analyze data to assess the priority uh, need in each community and to ensure that their institution maintain a focus on the public interest, not individual or sectional interest. And also to use the participatory approach to planning and implementation and development and active citizens, and also to maintain a good intergovernmental relation and practice cooperative governance an integrated development plan in all spheres as the president launched and the minister have already spoken about the district development model as was launched by the president. Even in here in Wazulun, the president launched a DDM and the minister visited a number of districts to ensure that we launch this DDM and also the implementation of it and also to enter into an effective and appropriate partnership with all sectors of society, from the small private sector enterprise to large international corporations. Madam Chair, each sphere of government in South Africa has different responsibilities in building the capacity of the developmental state, while the national government is seized with the responsibility in setting the agenda through various instruments, including the National Development Plan, and most recently, the digital road model, which is its focus on integrated planning, budgeting, and implementation. All spheres of government, they must plan together and must budget together and also implement. It's important that one sphere must know what's happening in another sphere. That's why we're encouraging that we implement 
the district development model, Madam Chairperson. Provincial government of KwaZulu-Natal has a seasonal role to play in ensuring that while building its own capacity, it also supports the building of the capacity of local government or municipalities. Local government is, uh, is, is, is at the code phase of service delivery, and it is very often regarded as government participatory in the not affluent uh, 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 communities, and thus become critical that both administrative and political leadership is well capacitated to deliver on their mandate. As the Department of Community Governance and Social Affairs in Wazulu Natal, Madam Chairperson, we have considered the robust capacity building program in, in, to ensure that our local government sphere in the province is equal to the task uh, in front of us. This started with the skills audit, which sought to uh, understand the level of education of our councillors and senior officials and the experience in local government and training needs uh, uh, among those um, uh, officials and, 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 and councillors. As on the 4th of March 20, of 2022, the total of 1,280, which is 78% of the councillors were audited uh, already, uh, 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 Madam Speaker. The department has commenced with the data analysis and report writing phases. <clears throat> further, further to that, uh, Madam Chair, we have partnered with SALTA and other stakeholders and roll out sector-based counselor orientation workshop aimed at inducting and orientating the new and retaining counselors about their responsibilities as well as pertaining legislation in the local space or sphere. As the Honorable Toto have indicated that the division and the caucuses also have a serious implication in the, in the, in the administration. After this workshop, we aim it to down even further by capacitating the municipal portfolio committees, including MPEG uh, uh, officials or MPEG chairs and committee members, as well as speakers, through the, the process of uh, uh, our program of, 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 of action. The center-based council orientation workshop commenced on the 8th to the 9th of March in, in 2022 at Zululand District Municipality and the family and, and, the, and the surrounding uh, local municipalities under Zululand. There were 148 councillors, Madam uh, uh, Chair, uh, and four AMACOs that participated in this program, and we are very grateful that a number of, or, or at least 90% of councillors and AMACOs have attended uh, 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 this uh, uh, workshop. The provincial capacity building plan for 2021-22 has developed an implementation thereof, of, thereof is, mon is, is monitored. There are 102 programs being implemented for municipal officials, councillors, and traditional leaders through the provincial capacity building plan as already indicated earlier. Eight stakeholders engagement have, have held where we visited number of, of uh, municipalities in on actually the whole uh, 54 municipalities have been visited uh, by the MEC, uh, by myself, and the and, and, and the senior official of department and other uh, departments of the provincial government just to welcome them and take them through how government work and capacitate them. Stakeholders engagement has also entered in, 
into during 2021-2022 financial year, namely the memorandum of, of agreement with the National School of Government was finalized and signed, and the implementation plan was drafted. The memorandum of understanding with UKZN University has been finalized and signed as well. The partnership includes capacity building projects and the capacity assessment of district implementation and district development model was conducted and 10 district reports were, pre- were, were prepared, including uh, uh, the Metro, which is the ETA winning. The implementation plan was developed and following the capacity building initiative were undertaken, the DDM the workshop were held in district uh, to, hand, to enhance uh, the understanding of DDM. It already indicated that the minister herself have visited more than three districts in Wazulu Natal in ensuring that the, the implementation of 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 DTM in all uh, municipalities. The DTM uh, IDP alignment session were held in ten districts, as already indicated. Further, that the capacitation of councillors on DTM model is currently underway through the integrated council induction program and sector-based councillor orientation workshop as I indicated earlier, uh, uh, Madam Chair. The department has implemented the peer learning session for municipal administrators. The total of the session has been uh, con- uh, uh, converting areas such as sound financial management, uh, UIFW and governance and critical areas of the role and responsibilities of, of senior management and also the role of the of, of administrators. Madam Chair, uh, through the stakeholder engagement, with the National Schools of Government, 178 municipal officials have enrolled for free open e-learning program. And this program includes introduction to strategic human resource management, introduction of financial management, and also budgeting, introduction of leading change, introduction to policy formulation and, impl- and implementation, introduction to strategic planning, uh, writing uh, for government, and knowing Know and leave your constituents. As you conclude, honorable member, you are left with one minute. As you conclude, oh, Jefferson, oh, no, it's fine. We, uh, we have also deployed uh, experts in various fields to the municipalities to hold the hands of municipalities. We have deployed financial experts, we have deployed project managers, we have deployed engineers to assist. Uh, all municipalities in Wazul, all 54 municipalities in Wazul Natal, and we are grateful that uh, most municipalities have welcomed that. Uh, we must uh, raise the disappointment uh, that uh, recently we have received a letter from the deputy mayor of Zululand, uh, who happened to be an EFF, who called, who, who, who registered with the provincial government that he was mistreated by the mayor of Zululand uh, by uh, uh, calling uh, uh, the drivers to say that they must uh, drop the deputy mayor on the road. And we felt that that will cause another division in, in that municipality and will it make that the district will not be able to function very well because there will be instability, which will also cascade to uh, administration. That's why we are calling for all political parties to ensure that they tolerate each other, especially those ones who what are in coalition. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you with your time. Uh, thank you to Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable MD Masemula. 
Lipombo MEC of Public Works and Road Infrastructure. The person of the National Council of Provinces, Madam Chairperson of the session, Honorable Minister Dr. Dlamini Zuma, MECs from various provinces of our country, representatives of uh, SALGA, honorable members of the National Council of Provinces, Comrades and Colleagues, and fellow South Africans. We are sent to this great platform for debate today, and as such are appropriate location for profound engagements on matters of policy and legislative progress made towards building a developmental state positioned to respond to the needs of our people. We do so, Madam Chair, just over a month since His Excellency, the President of our country, Madame Elasil Ramaphosa, reminded the nation that building a capable, ethical, and developmental state remains and continues to be a priority of this government. Continuously, therefore, as provinces in this regard, honestly assess and roll out programs to give impetus to the cause of national significance, thus sharpening the levers of power to serve the people better. Through that, we continue to provide the people with the services they so much expect from their democratic government. Similarly, we are pushing hard and rolling out social and economic infrastructure program for the benefit of the people on whose behalf we are speaking here today as their public representatives. Madam Chair, the inclusive political institutions based on the political power obtained by the African National Congress is hard to resist or deny its impact on the social transformation agenda. And the broad coalition of minds and front for creative endeavors and efforts in building a developmental state, which is not a conjuncture to be announced. And that is understood as a dynamic process characterized by the confluence of factors, including interplay between existing institutions and opportunities created for the people, notwithstanding challenges related thereto, which of course are subjected to significant contingencies developed for the purposes of the outlined plans, because the state institutions exist precisely to serve the people of our country. Understandably, therefore, Madam Chair, from the articulations made at various platforms by the President, the Ministers and Premiers, all that emphasize our resolve and the work we continue to do in strengthening the capacity of the state and therefore advance unapologetically an agenda towards realization of a developmental state. Clearly, the essence of developmental state finds its primacy in the overarching law of the Republic and particularly the values enshrined therein, which obligates government to ensure complete and comprehensive attention to the socio-economic conditions of the people. Equally, Madam Chair, the Freedom Charter remains the fundamental document that shapes our philosophical and concrete political approach on matters of policy and legislation, therefore directing our national efforts to transformation of the state so that its capabilities would be used in the interest of development and progress and decisive intervention to better the lives of our people in the country. 
Young and reasonable doubt, therefore, Madam Chair, the developmental state should display one strong state intervention and have effective regulation and impactful planning, which is based on technical capabilities and all what it is required to make sure that all the agreed plans find expression concretely on the ground. It should have strong political leadership that is oriented towards growth and development and continue to combat the gracious as extractive features in the economy because they retard prosperity and deter the nation from an inclusive path of development. Hence, the ANC is hard at work to pursue reconstruction and development of this country through important programs for reconstruction and development of our country. Political and administrative leadership is required, characterized by dialectical thinking for appropriate management of complex matters confronting society. Existence of relevant structures handled by capable bureaucracy to advance its development goals and significant cohesiveness and effectiveness so much primary for the efficacy of the entire system. Unambiguous policy clarity, legislative frameworks, and centrality of the people which foreground the legitimacy of the state. This developmental state should have planning and design model that enforces and promotes integrative approach and ensure resilient fiscal strength for the success of its plans and programs. Hence, the president launched the district development model as an important platform for integrative, integrative processes at the level of planning implementation and as well as monitoring. Prudent management of fiscal resources and stabilization of the monetary policy continues to be an important process that the developmental state would have to display without any failure. Heightened professionalization of the public service, hence continuous professional development of our provincial administrations across the country, and of course, including in our province as well, continues and remains a fundamental plan to pursue without any failure. A dynamic engagement and involvement of the citizens and organs of civil society on matters of their government remains essential and continues to be at the center of this democratic state that pursues an agenda towards development of this aspired state characterized by these important attributes. Hence, a capable state is expected to have human resource capacity institutional strength, sharpen business processes, and proper technological platforms to deliver on the macroeconomic strategy of the country. The capacity to fight malfeasance, leads, and malversation, and direct resources accordingly for maximum input and as well as development of our people. This developmental state should make sure that it continues to provide quality education, adequate healthcare services, safety and security, comprehensive social services, and of course, safety and safe social spaces, advance the agenda for social cohesion and build a nation that is characterized by non-racialism, non-sexism, prosperity, and as well as unity. The attention and support that is so much required by municipalities given their strategic location in the equation of leadership and as well as service delivery. Their capacity and effectiveness is paramount to the successful implementation of economic programs and development, and therefore provide opportunities for the people of our country to actually survive and mitigate their socioeconomic 
difficulties. This developmental state would have to ensure strengthening and implementation of public procurement strategy essential for the promotion and development of value chain system that will advance a redistributive agenda for the people of this country to enjoy these services without any failure. Honorable Chairperson, we fully understand the intransigent contradictions inherent in society and the threats to the national democratic revolution in poverty and employment and as well as inequality. These challenges requires relentless efforts to rebuild the economy and position the state accordingly to grapple with all that in the interest of prosperity. Evidence of corporate state brought in the last quarter of 2021 brought positive outlook of the country's GDP as shown resilience fiscal capacity and as well as monetary strength among serious difficulties. It is worth noting, Madam Chair, that contributions of key sectors of the economy in the context of Limpopo remains mining agriculture, manufacturing, amongst other sectors of the economy. The Provincial Economic Recovery Plan, as articulated by the Honorable Premier Chubumatabata, focuses the province, amongst other things, on agro-processing and industrialization, infrastructure rollout, implementation of mega-industrialization projects, Musina Makado SEZ and Pesu Dubazi SEZ as well, establishment of regional government complex in Skukune, completion and extension of agro-processing and pack houses across the province. And I remember. An expansion of commercialization of natural reserves as activities that will bring opportunities for the people of our province. With these few words, we're more than very certain, Madam Chair, that uh, as a province and as a country, capable state should ensure accountability and respect of the people and therefore deepen an understanding of what constitutes government and as well as governance. I thank you so much. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. The next uh, speaker is Honorable N. Hatebe, Inkata Freedom Party. Honorable Hatebe. Honorable Chairperson, the Honorable Minister for COCTA, Dr. Ngosazana Zamini Zuma, MECs, um, members of the National Council of Provinces, the Chief Whip of the NCOP. Honorable Chairperson, for too long we have looked at South Africa in isolation and not to how external forces are influencing the development of South Africa. For us colleagues, the fact is that at the grassroots level, our people are suffering due to, to the ill-gotten gains and decisions taken by individuals and government. For instance, if you look to the crisis between Russia and Ukraine, we are Um, of the increasing cost of living, which is hitting the most vulnerable hardest. Given the current debt that government has accumulated, which um, accounts for almost 20 cents per rent that is spent, there is little reproof that government can offer in the way of lessening the burden of all South Africans and continue our growth. And let me state before government commits to more loans that monies given through loans are not properly allocated out through programs. 
the difficulty is that information of the flow of money is a very highly guarded secret. This provides the breeding ground for networks and associations of corrupt officials, which has lasting effect on our communities. Communities often do not see at all, or sometimes in a very small part, the benefit of these loans, but are committed to paying for them. It is very unfortunate that certain members of parliament have sought to misconstrue the outcry of the IFP when raising our concerns regarding the fragile state of our socio-economic and political climate. There is, in fact, and I quote from the IFP's national spokesperson, Honorable M.M. Sengwa, I quote, need of recovery and newness, close quote. Then why, colleagues, do we tolerate an unnecessary strain on, on our economy when government itself has, commit, has admitted that we are struggling to come out of the burden imposed by COVID-19? It is only rational that such a decision taken by Russia to invade Ukraine was not taken in consideration with the impact it may have of building the economy and state capacity of its BRICS partners. Our public officials in government have, have abandoned their own party beliefs and act, and act levels of treason when they offer a defense and do not condemn violence or agendas that have real harsh consequences on the citizens of South Africa, especially the poor and vulnerable. As we have seen in the, member. the state have captured and so has our development. If we are serious about our development, we must not shy away of the uncomfortable, uncomfortable decisions that have been taken. If we are able to reconcile our differences when it comes to service delivery and development, we will ensure that South Africa dictate its own development for the people of this country. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Thanks very much, Honorable Hatebe. The next speaker is Honorable D. Ryder. Democratic Alliance, Honorable Ryder. Thank you very much, Chair. Chair, I'll be keeping my own time. I won't need a reminder. Thank you. Honorable Chairperson, before I became a councillor, I served on the ward committee where I live. What I saw then was provincial government reaching out with a project to build a much-needed taxi rank in the neighbourhood. There was great fanfare and a ribbon was cut the politicians posed for photographs and everybody walked away. Except that there was just one problem. The taxi drivers didn't like where the rank was situated. It was away from their normal route and it was inconvenient for them. The commuters also didn't like it. It was away from the busiest shopping area and it necessitated walking. It also exposed people traveling at, great, at odd hours to crime and criminals. The result then was a white elephant, a useless project costing millions, conceptualized and delivered by the state with no real understanding of what the people wanted, with no real understanding that no matter how much the state tries to push its ideas, the market, the people will decide. This is the inherent problem with the developmental state model. The state thinks they know what people need and want. But the state is made up of conservative officials informed by outdated thought 
and guided by questionable politicians with questionable agendas. The state should not be centralizing control to, to drive development. The state should be making sure that it creates an environment where development can happen through entrepreneurship, through opportunity makers, and through hustlers. This week, the auctioning of broadband spectrum or bandwidth finally opened. The auction has been in the pipeline since 2010, and the broadband rollout has been mentioned in each of the past 11 State of the Nation addresses. Go back and check. I did. Let me emphasize the importance of the auction. Internet access and connectivity are key drivers of the economy, especially in rural areas, Honorable Mukiba. Access to the internet enables more and more people to participate in the economy. Regional GDP can jump up to 8% upon the introduction just of cell phones. Doubling broadband speed adds anywhere up to 3% to GDP. It broadens access, it brings opportunity, it creates wealth. There are numerous studies confirming that increased access to the internet and faster speeds work together to reduce inequality. And so we see that the much-mentioned Gini coefficient has been exacerbated by government's ineptitude. And let no person here stand and blame the other role players in this. It has been government itself that blocked and delayed the release of Spectrum for years. The communications ministry, before that telecommunications and postal services, has been the key procrastinator. And then, of course, the terms of the auction, when it was finally released, were designed to be so controversial that there would undoubtedly be legal challenges. Conspiracy theories abound that this was done on purpose to allow time to migrate TV signal from analog to digital after all of those failed deadlines. A process, in fact, that is still not complete and is now being challenged legally because government has not procured enough set-top boxes in sufficient quantities to cater for the demand. Honorable members, we here are frankly sick of hearing from each other the phrase, am I audible? The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our economy could have been partly mitigated had we had sufficient internet connectivity and cell phone access across the country. Instead, people were forced to work from home with poor network and poor productivity and work outcomes are a result. We've all experienced this. So instead of doing the basics to drive development, the state has bungled this project from the start. This is not a developmental state. It's quite the opposite. Policy uncertainty and the inability to implement plans have proven, proven to be undevelopmental. The most frightening words a person in the private sector can hear is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, causes them to run for the shadows. Now we want to further enrich, sorry, I beg your pardon. Now we want to further entrench the developmental state as if the poor people of South Africa deserve more hardship, more inequality. Just look at the infrastructural decay around cities and towns throughout South Africa. The deputy president admitted all of this yesterday. Our infrastructure is going backwards. How can you even contemplate development when you cannot even cope with the current demand? Let the state rather concentrate on its constitutional imperatives. Focus on building roads, providing clean drinking water, 
an electricity supply that is consistent and reliable. These are the basics. Make sure our people are housed and healthy. Let us protect the fruits of our labor. Government help us protect the fruits of our labor by reducing crime. Then you will find that development will follow without the need for the state to drive it. Create the conducive environment. That is the role of government. As South Africa looks to a deepening economic crisis, we need real support from government. The only developmental plan that the ANC has uh, had was development through state-sponsored jobs. As you conclude, Honourable Member, as you conclude, I'm not saying conclude now, please. Continue. The only developmental plan that the ANC had was development through state-sponsored jobs. The only development that the ANC has achieved effectively over the past 20 years, 28 years, is the development of a public sector wage bill that even the unions agree is unsustainable and the development of monstrous debt that we are struggling to service. Get back to basics, government. You cannot afford to be reaching outside of anything beyond your very core mandate. Thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Ryder. Uh, honorable members, uh, the next speaker is Honorable Sheikh. But before, I want you to invite Honorable Nyambi, my co-chair, to continue with a speaker's list. Honorable Sheikh. Honorable Sheikh, African National Congress. Then Honorable Nambi must take over. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Chipperson, the Minister of COPTA, MECs from different provinces, Honorable members of the National Council of Provinces and fellow South Africans. Allow me to contribute to this debate on a very important aspect of gender equality and the economic inclusion of women within a capable development state. Honorable Chair, the legacy of economic exclusion in South Africa bears the imprint of colonial and apartheid policies. Equally, the effects of decades of economic and racial exclusion are so evident today in our society. As a result, South Africa has become one of the most unequal societies in the world. The exclusion of millions of black people and women in particular from owning land, property and meaningful participation in the economy was structural in order to maintain the foundations of apartheid and entrench the system of patriarchy that has oppressed women of all races, but more severely black women. These structural challenges and their consequences are evident today and have given rise to many of the socioeconomic crises that South Africa faces today. There is a correlation between the effects of the historical exclusion of women from the economy and the high levels of unemployment. The inability to find a job increases the vulnerability of a black woman in Heidefeld and Cape Town. It makes her more prone to be involved in a dependent relationship, which in many circumstances may be abusive, leading to incidences of gender-based violence and femicide. The exclusion of millions of women in townships, small towns and villages from the mainstream economy has given rise to many challenges that our children and youth are facing. 
Women's economic exclusion gives rise to high levels of inequality, denying women equal opportunities to empower themselves and support their families, many of which are headed by single parents. Research indicates that in South Africa, they are approximately over 45% single mother-headed households. All of these factors aggravate the second pandemic that we are faced with as a country, the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide. But Honorable Jefferson, it is not all doom and gloom. Guided by the philosophy of the developmental state, which is an activist state that intervenes strategically in the economy and society, the ANC government is hard at work in changing the reality faced by millions of women and children in our country. The developmental state is characterized by the creation of initiatives and pathways to end economic exclusion of, of people in general and women in particular. Government is hard at work in creating this environment to transform society to be more inclusive and truly democratic. Through legislation such as the Employment Equity Act, to which the DA and the Freedom from Press are opposed to for various reasons, aims to mitigate the disparities created by apartheid in the economy. We have already made progress in government in the mitigating of the gender parity gap by employing more women in senior management positions. Today, there are more women that occupy senior management positions in government than before. However, we know that there is still more to be done, particularly in the private sector. Government departments such as employment and labor should intensify their efforts to enforce greater compliance with this and other transformative legislation. In 2021, our gender parity gap was 0.78%, place, placing us 18th out of 156 countries globally. While this is a welcome improvement from 2016 figure of 0.76, it is only a slight reduction. Much more still needs to be done in this regard. Statistics South Africa revealed that the labor market in South Africa was more favorable to men than women and Black women were the most affected with an unemployment rate of 41% in quarter two of 2021. This was partly due to the impact of, of the COVID-19 lockdown measures, which, which impacted women-dominated sectors most severely. It is thus important that we use our oversight mechanisms as parliamentarians to ensure that legislation such as the Women Empower, Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill are properly implemented in the private sector as these pieces of legislation promote equality between men and women in the workplace. Noting that gender-based violence and femicide is a consequence of economic exclusion of women, South Africa has made progressive strides in addressing the scourge. As South Africans, we have to challenge the shameful narrative that our country is the most unsafe country for a woman to live. We cannot accept the situation where our country's constitution promises equality and justice for all. And Parliament has made progressive laws, such as the Criminal and Related Matters Amendment Act 2021, the Domestic Violence Amendment Act 2021, the Criminal Law, Sexual Offences and Related Matters Amendment Act, Amendment Act 2021, amongst others, which are all aimed at fighting the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide in our country. Fellow South Africans, the onus lies with each and every one of us to challenge toxic masculinity behaviors and norms in our workplace and communities. If we are to truly deal with the challenge of gender-based violence and femicide, we cannot tolerate that each and every year the statistics of gender-based violence rise and women grow more fearful in society. A democratic developmental state is envisaged in the National Development Plan cannot flourish if so many of its citizens live in fear and in real danger of being harmed by their fellow citizens.
A democratic developmental state understands that women empowerment is critical in restoring the agency of women and giving, and giving women back their power. When a woman is able to sustain herself and her family, her agency is restored. She has the power to provide for herself and her family. She has better chances at accessing healthcare for herself and her family. We therefore must call on government to ensure that women and children have access to healthcare and their needs are catered for. The vision of the Freedom Charter has always been that of a healthy nation, nourished and well-educated youth, high levels of human development, including health and education services. Those of us from the African National Congress are committed to seeing this vision being realized in our lifetime. We call on government to continue with creative initiatives and programs that support public mass employment, such as the Presidential Employment Stimulus, which has created over 500,000 employment opportunities. We are proud of the 54% of these opportunities were taken by women and 84% were taken by youth. Government must continue to bring about structural reforms to support both women and youth. It must continue to maintain women empowerment in all sectors of the economy, including agriculture, technology, construction, and entrepreneurship, to name a few. Government must continue to create funding for women from SMMEs in partnership with the private sector such as the Women Empowerment Fund, CEDA, and the South African Women in Construction. We understand that the most disadvantaged women in our country are women in rural areas. If we are to achieve economic inclusion, people from various corners of our country must have access to opportunities where they live. The empowerment of rural women therefore becomes imperative. There are many women that are dependent on the informal economy to make a living. Supporting this economy is crucial so that women can be able to sustain themselves and provide for their families. The Township and Rural Entrepreneurship Program supports people in these sectors, and the program aims at supporting small enterprises to participate in the rebuilding and restructuring of the economy, improve quality and competitiveness of small enterprises for both domestic supplies and export markets, and seize opportunities in various sectors availed by the COVID-19 pandemic through the entire value chains. As we commemorated International Women's Day earlier this month, we must continue to struggle for an equal opportunity country for all, a country with an economy that is inclusive. The inclusion of women benefits the entire the inclusion of women benefits the entire nation and brings us closer towards attaining our goal. Honorable Secretary, and this is international. Yes. Okay. No, thanks. Uh, thanks, Honorable Sheikh. Uh, let me invite now Honorable uh, Mayor Western Cape MEC for Agriculture. Honorable Mayor. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Members of the NCOP, Honorable Minister, and honorable MECs from other provinces, ladies and gentlemen. For 27 years, 
we've been debating the topic of a developmental state in South Africa. Now we have the results and the evidence of the developmental state. It is a captured state, and South Africa is increasingly becoming a failing state. Chairperson, how civil servants milk the state. There's 60 million rand grab. These are the headlines that greeted South Africans on the 13th of March, 2022. The story of the extent to which more than 1,500 civil servants, officials, were enriching themselves at the expense of the taxpayer took me back to another media report. This time, the Financial Mail dated 24th of August, 2020. President Cyril Ramaphosa's letter to ANC members about corruption. And I quote from the Financial Mail, today the ANC and its leaders stand accused of corruption. The ANC may not stand alone in the dock, but it does stand as accused number one, unquote. It is clear from the letter that the president of South Africa and the ANC recognizes the scale of corruption often associated with cadre deployment. He admits that the capture of state institutions by public interest, facilitated by politicians and officials at the highest level, had indeed occurred in South Africa. However, he also states that based on the evidence before the Zondo Commission, there was a disturbing level of grand corruption. Individuals were placed in various institutions to manipulate procurement and other processes to siphon off massive amounts of funds for a network of politicians, public servants, and business people, unquote. The president then describes the effects of wide-scale corruption in South Africa as devastating and detrimental to the general South African public who had been robbed of money that may have been allocated to improve public transport, better infrastructure for the poor, the reliable and affordable electricity to emerging black farmers and the broader development of our country. With reference to South Africa's cash-stripped state-owned enterprises, the president admitted that many of them had been left, and I quote, dysfunctional and some virtually destroyed which caused huge damage to the economy and the capacity of the state. It is against this background that I rise to participate in the debate on building a developmental state to take the lead in building a better life for all. Mr. Chairperson of the NCUP, the premise of this debate is that the state has the capacity and the requisite skills to lead. This cannot be further from the truth. We do not have a capable state in South Africa. The six building blocks of a capable state are just not present. There is more than enough evidence to show that we have expediently allowed standards of governance to drop. The proud vision of a capable state is under threat. In fact, it is destroyed. A capable state has the rule of law, has competence, has accountability, has integrity, has innovation, and has a deep respect for the citizens of South Africa. Chairperson, none of these pillars appear to be solidly in place. The president's letter highlights that we do not have the rule of law, but the rule of law.
lawyers in South Africa. That's why the president appoints commissions of inquiry. That's not the rule of law. That's the rule of lawyers. We do not have competence. Instead, we have catered deployment. We do not have accountability. But ministers failing to appear before standing committees, portfolio committees, and select committees, they avoid accountability. We do not have integrity, but gr gross dishonesty. We do not have innovation, but banality. The inability to fix our ports, to build a profitable SAA, and establish home affairs departments that embrace the fourth industrial revolution is testimony to the malaise that has crept into our state institutions. The government does not have respect for citizens, but contempt. The ANC places the interest ahead of the citizens, the party's interest. The interest of the citizens does not matter. The attitude is one of the party first and citizens last. Chairperson of the NCOP, if we can imagine for a second that the state is a car, a fully functional, well-maintained, roadworthy car has a steering wheel and a competent driver. A steering wheel is of no value if its ability to respond to the driver is hampered by the driver's inability to point the vehicle in a clear direction. Likewise, the lack of a clear policy direction affects the state's ability to deliver services to our people in a coherent way. A vehicle without direction becomes a weapon of destruction when its braking system is failing. No matter how much the driver may try to bring the directionless vehicle to a stop, it will continue to gain momentum and create havoc. This is what corruption and incompetence are doing to the state. Unfortunately, no matter the number of investigations, judiciary reports, threats and promises, the driver of this vehicle, the President of the Republic of South Africa and the African National Congress is incapable of stopping this runaway train of corruption and a network of patronage. The situation is worsened because the runaway vehicle's windscreen is covered in mud and the window wipers are not working. The driver has no vision and without window wipers, he cannot clear these windows. The state under the leadership of the ANC is visionless and cannot rectify the situation. The blind is being led by the blind. Chairperson of the NCP, the state is led by a directionless, visionless, breakless, incompetent ANC government. It is creating devastation and destruction and it's hurtless downhill, taking the economy and jobs with it. The ANC-led state is incapable of building a developmental state to take the lead in building a better life. As the editor-in-chief of the Mail and Guardian recently put it, South Africa is not a failed state, but we certainly are not passing at the moment, unquote. If no one is up to the shock therapy, it will take to jolt us out of the current trajectory. It will not be very long before we are one. Until we do so, the notion of a developmental state is nothing but wishful thinking, as the Honorable Dennis Ryder just mentioned, just like the del delusional notion that the ANC will rule until Jesus comes. Chairperson and members of the NCOP, we cannot provide a continuation of the journey. 
but we can provide the jolt required to put South Africa on a new path. Do so by supporting the Democratic Alliance motion of no confidence against the cabinet on the 30th of March, 2022. If you support our motion of no confidence in the cabinet of President Ramaphosa, you will prevent South Africa from becoming a failed state. If you oppose the motion of no confidence in the cabinet of President Ramaphosa, you are responsible for supporting a failing state. Now is the time to save South Africa. For 27 years, this house have listened to speeches of a developmental state. It is now all in ashes. The burning of parliament is the state of the nation. South Africa is now a failing state and many municipalities under the ANC are a failed state. Let us stop talking about the developmental state and start fixing the basics, as Honorable Ryder said. Fix the water problems in Limpopo. Fix the sanitation problems in Northwest. Fix the electricity problems across South Africa and fix the refuge collection all over South Africa. These have all collapsed in ANC municipalities. Stop talking, stop cater deployment, stop corruption, stop the ANC in 2024, as Isaac uh, Mr. has just mentioned. Honorable members, this is the time. There are moments in history where you need to be historically correct and not politically correct. And so I call on members of the NCOP to do the right thing and support the motion of the Democratic Alliance. As I conclude, I call on members of this NCOP to do the right thing. Don't be politically correct. Become historically correct and stand with the people of Ukraine and stand with the Democratic Alliance motion. Please vote in our motion of no confidence to remove an incapable state. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable MEC. The next speaker is Honorable uh, Debrain. Honorable Debrain. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, by definition, a developmental state needs to focus primarily on economic growth, quality education, and investment in industries, which sounds all good on paper, but unfortunately is far from a reality in South Africa. Economic growth isn't near expectations. Educational standards are worsening yearly, and our industries are suffering under unrealistic policies such as BEE and affirmative action, altering growth and job creation. According to the National Development Plan, the aim is or was to eliminate poverty and inequality by 2030. But clearly this objective failed, as poverty and unemployment is on the rise yearly, clearly showing that the governing party cannot fulfill its mandate to ensure development in South Africa. State-owned enterprises, that is supposed to be one of the biggest pillars of expanding state capacity and the development of in South Africa, has eroded into a mountain of debt amounting to almost 700 billion rand in mid-2021 due to corruption, a lack of skills, and incompetent officials in top positions as a, of, as a result of cadre deployment. As the ANC regering werkelijk ernstig is om ontwikkelde Zuid-Afrika te bewerkstellig, in belang van elke burger, zal hy dringend moet focus op die basisse beginsels van goeie en verantwoordbare regering, in plaas daarvan om net te focus op sy eie interne belang. 
miljoene Suid-Afrikaners wat tot beskikking en bereikbillig is, is desperaat vir werksgeleendheer en vooruitgang. Maar krepeers as gevolg van die regeringse onvermoe om die potentiaal van ontwikkeling te benut. If you truly want to better the life of all, start investing in our citizens, empower them with skills and quality education, ensure economic growth so that industries and the private sector can thrive in order to create jobs and wealth, root out corruption, and ensure public service that is accountable and productive. Invest in service delivery and infrastructure so that the economy can yield and attract more investors that can contribute to the development of our country. As the voldoende fondsen beleid word, sou beleid word, in die ontwikkeling van die industrie, die uitroei van corruptie en kaderontplooiing, en genoeg samen samenwerking sou gewees met die privaatsektor, en sonder om hulle te kniehalter met onrealistische beleid en wetgeving, sal hy werkelijke hoop vir ontwikkeling en vooruitgang in Zuid-Afrika wees, so dat amal daaruit kan baat. Maar ongelukkig, voorzitter, is gebeur die teenoorgestelde tans. Ontwikkeling ten bate van amal in Zuid-Afrika staan gebuk onder een oneffectieve en corrupte regering te dank aan die ANC. Government needs to admit their failure in this regard and step up to the plate and to put the citizens' needs before the needs of the ANC. Until then, developing South Africa in the best interest of all will remain a distant dream at the cost of all in South Africa. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable uh, Dupreen. The next speaker is Honorable Broden said. Thank you, Honorable House Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, fellow South Africans, good day. We are pleased to note that the Minister addressed us today without sunglasses or a mask, maybe an indication that the state of disaster is nearing an end. We live in hope. The Honorable Minister Glemini Zuma is correct in saying that this debate is founded on the premise that somehow South Africa can replicate the Asian miracle of the late 70s and 80s in realizing the pipe dream of the developmental state. A close analysis of the Asian tiger countries before they embarked on this path some 45 years ago reveals that the following elements were present. Clear and policy and objectives, independent institutions, a strong, competent bureaucracy, a weak civil society, efficient management of state and non-state economic interests, elevated levels of education and training to give those countries a competitive edge, a cohesive social compact, a subdued labor force, economic stability, and the prudent use of state assets positioned to target certain industries identified to create competitive advantages. On the polar opposite, and conveniently not mentioned by the minister, this is the reality in South Africa. We have a policy uncertainty with officials floundering between gear, the new growth path, and the ambitious new development plan. As highlighted in the Zondo Commission, state capture has permeated every strata of government machinery. Due to the ANC policy of cater deployment, we have a weak bureaucracy, lacking the competency required, and deeply involved in politics due to loyalty to the mothership that deployed them. We have a powerful, well-resourced civil society. The government has failed to manage the economy properly and thus have failed to pick winning sectors and thus create collaborative relationships between the state, state state-owned enterprises, big business and labor. The government has also failed to create an optimal human capital pipeline. The governing party has allowed racial mobilization resulting in an ever-increasing civil unrest and labor protest action. 
All of the above factors have led to disastrous macroeconomic instability. The proponents of this developmental state here today argue on an aspirational basis, much like the speeding bullet trains and the new shining cities the president is so fond of contemplating. Honorable Chairperson, what South Africa needs now is an enterprising state, not a developmental one. We need a state that is inclusive and eradicates the divide between insiders and outsiders, that reduces the state, the size of the state in order to reduce the fiscal drain on the state, that focuses on horizontal industrial policy that creates an investment environment, that formulates an economic empowerment policy benefit the greatest number of people and not just the politically corrected, that emphasize welfare, which helps people out of poverty and does not trap, keep them trapped in poverty, includes the voices of the unemployed in the labor policy, that deals with corruption decisively, that enables provision for lifestyle audits, that develops a skilled civil service, which is, undeveloped, which is developed and underpinned by merit-based appointments and enables businesses to provide goods and services in traditionally government monopoly areas. This, honorable members, is the course we, course we should take, not pipe dreams that will never reach fruition. There is little credibility in the hypothesis that the development model model can be made to work. This lack of credibility is highlighted by some of the speakers here today. Whilst the DA speakers, Honorable Seleko and Honorable Rada have, during their time as deputy mayors and councillors, produced 11 clean audits between them, the ANC are not so fortunate. It is quite frankly laughable to have the Honorable Dodovu, Honorable Masimola and Honorable Klomuke participate in this debate. Honorable Dodovu hails from the Northwest, where he was previously the MEC for Cocteau. How many Section 100 and Section 139 interventions have there been in the Northwest? Anyone? Anyone? I'll tell you. 13 municipalities and 10 provincial departments have been placed under administration. Honorable Dodovo could not develop his way out of a paper bag. Honorable Klumuka has done absolutely nothing to improve the lot of residents in Umsunduzi, also under administration, and has been utterly missing in action during the water crisis in the Ugu district, much to the dismay of the residents there. I doubt Honorable Klumuka can spell developmental state, much less implement it. Finally, Honorable Masimola is more concerned with humiliating elderly residents of Leo Fontaine on social media than doing actual work relating to roads and infrastructure. With actors like these, it is no wonder that little progress has been made. The ANC should simply admit defeat, move aside, and allow the DA to implement a plan that will work. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable President. The next speaker is Honorable Mkiva. Honorable Mkiva. Honorable Mkiva. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chair, let me start off. Can you hear me, Chair? I can hear you, yes. Yeah, my network is very bad. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I will do this without the video. Next Next time you must learn to have a picture if the video is not working so that we can associate the face and for recording purposes. But can you continue, please? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Learning is a lifelong process, and I will do like I'm advised. 
True. Let me start off by saying a, a good afternoon to you and good afternoon to the members. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. I want to set the tone here by saying, uh, flowing from what the, 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 the speaker has just said, that uh, there is policy certainty in our country. Policy certainty informed by the ANC position. And uh, that certainty <clears throat> is informed by our thinking, the way we act and the way we do. It is important to tell the opposition quite clearly that we are not in government and in office because of love of power, but because of the power of love. Our people <laughs> has given us the responsibility to serve and service them because of the trust they have in us. So Honorable Chairperson, the ANC remains committed to the vision of building a capable and a developmental state as articulated in the NDP, described as a state that is unedited with the capacity to formulate and champion social compacts, mobilizing different stakeholders, both market and non-market based, and lead them towards a developmental path to resolve the triple challenges of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. We are fully aware that the project of building developmental state has been most elusive in the local sphere of government. The 2019 General Household Survey, amongst other things, confirms that while there has been an overall improvement in access to basic services, there were still some notable challenges that needed the state to respond. For example, Chair, it said that access to water in the period from 2002 to 2019 has grown from 84.4% to 88.2%. This increase was much more notable in the Eastern Cape, which is one of the most rural provinces in our country. Despite these notable improvements, access to water in Pumalanga, Limpompo, and Free State has in fact declined. This is confirmed by the experience of the people of Moluti Apufong local municipality in the Free State. For the past decade, for the past uh, uh, decade, the community has had to rely on water tankers. Uh, for the supply of water. They also travel long distance to forge water from the rivers. This water crisis has drastically raised the cost of doing business in this municipality, and as a result, had a negative impact on job creation. In Limpompo, the water crisis is more vivid in the Vembe district municipality, which supplies water in Makado, uh, Collins Chabane, and Musina local municipalities. In these areas, there is a visible lack of water infrastructure, and this has had an impact on healthcare facilities and made it difficult to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. The ANC supports the ongoing interventions which have been instituted by the departments of water and sanitation, as well as cooperative governance and traditional affairs. In many distressed municipalities, these departments are making these interventions, including those that we're not mentioning today. In line with the approach proposed in our theory of a developmental state, 
we should ensure that all stakeholders are mobilized to ensure that no one is left behind in the provision of water and other basic services. Honorable Chair, at the heart of our program for economic transformation must be a strong emphasis on integrated and inclusive rural economy. Rural areas are still characterized by an apartheid colonial speciality where they were meant to be economically inviable spaces and many households are still trapped in a vicious cycle of poverty. Today, rural communities still face challenges that reinforce their marginal status. These include communal land tenure system, a degraded natural resource base, limited resources, reliance on rain for agriculture, lack of access to capital, poor supporting infrastructure, limited access to information and knowledge of how to manage a business and limited access to markets in general. The ANC has always been consistent in the perspective that a vibrant rural economy has, ma- has many carry to effects on employment, reduction in inequality and poverty and food security. In order to achieve transformation in our rural communities, we must first acknowledge the indigenous communities that live in those spaces. They are resilient knowledge system or African wisdoms and the objectives of the developmental state. As part of the social compacts that must be formed with the stakeholders of development, we must tap into the social infrastructure in indigenous communities. This will obviously through working relationship with traditional leadership uh, ensure that we move to the next step. Traditional leaders still play a crucial role in most of our rural communities as custodians of land and water resources of indigenous communities to ensure fair and equal access. It is undeniable that traditional leaders possess the required social capital to bridge the gap between government and various community organizations, such as churches, traditional medicine medicine practitioners, and small farmers. All these stakeholders attend Izimbizo and deliberate on issues of resource management cooperation between the institution of traditional leadership and government. A lack of understanding and cooperation as well as ignorance about culture and tradition of all South African people could result in our transformation agenda being frustrated in rural areas. We're trying to say here pretty much the rural communities of our country are pretty much part and parcel of our society. And therefore we should always try to strike a balance between what we do in urban spaces and in rural spaces so that no community of South Africa is left behind when we talk transformation. This is why we must strive to harmonize relations in municipalities between local councillors, traditional leadership, and indigenous communities. In 2019, the Traditional and Khoisan Leadership Act was promulgated into law in this country, which is a very positive step. This was a milestone for our democracy because it was premised on rectifying the historical marginalization of Khoi and San indigenous communities who suffered as a result of colonial oppression. You will recall that oppressors or colonizers 
arrived in the Western Cape and the first people that they interfaced with were the Khoi and San people. Therefore, this is indeed a milestone that for the first time now, they will be part and parcel of the mainstream institution of traditional leadership. And that's a positive which has been gained through the positive leadership of the ANC. This act provides a code of conduct for members of the national house, provincial houses, local houses, and traditional and Khoisan council. It ensures that our traditional leaders conduct themselves in a manner that is in sync with democratic values and the constitution. Furthermore, the act ensures the participation of traditional leaders in municipal councils. This, we hope, will go a long way in harmonizing relationship between elected representatives and traditional leadership. Following the 2021 local government election elections, uh, Chairperson, um, uh, there's a lot of subsequent things that have happened wherein traditional leaders will still be constituted as part and parcel of the municipalities and are expected to play a very critical role. We're already seeing traditional leaders participating in this council and they play that role in shaping the developmental agenda together with elected representatives. Honorable Chairperson, the ANC supports the ongoing interventions aimed at improving service delivery across the country. Our, pro- our priority is turning around the situation in the identified 64 dysfunctional municipalities and ensure that good governance and service delivery are restored. Access to water and proper sanitation is one of the critical areas of interventions in these distressed municipalities. We are focused on building water infrastructure as it can already be seen, as it can already be seen in municipalities such as Moluti Apofor, where the Stekfontein Dam water treatment works is being upgraded from 10 to 20 megaliters per day. This project is expected to be completed by end of April this year. The ANC calls for the prioritization of the municipal infrastructure grant in the 2021-2022 budget of COCTA. We believe that addressing infrastructure backlog in water and sanitation, roads and community lighting will be able, will be, will be able for us to cement a very good foundation on which municipalities can be able to drive economic transformation. Chairperson, we should also promote agricultural development through land reform. ANC-led municipalities are already releasing land parcels to widen access for small-scale and household farming. The state should provide support for farmers to ensure that they are able to access markets for for their own uh, communities and community produce. The state must also provide support to ensure the development of skills in the agriculture, which which in, in the long run will allow for the upcalling of production. This should be strategically done through the community works program amongst other programs. We welcome the new remodeled community works program, which addressed the challenges which had previously dampened the effectiveness, such as the delays in the payment of stipends, poor financial and project management, and the undue removal of participants. The community works The Community Works Program remains one of the most strategic interventions put in place to ensure that 
we fight off poverty in the most impoverished uh, communities of our country. Create employment, safety net, and empower participants to acquire new and useful skills, which will allow them to access uh, better employment opportunities. The importance of the agrarian revolution program in the Eastern Cape was Runatal, Limbombo, Northwest, and the Free State should be emphasized in the context of rural development. Honorable Chair, in order to ensure that we indeed transform the economy and make it more inclusive, we need to ensure that all sections of society participate in the digital space, irrespective of whether they be located in rural or urban areas. In the era of the fourth industrial revolution, new economies are emerging. It is therefore a source of inequality that internet access is skewed in favor of the urban areas. In 2019, General Household Survey confirmed this. It revealed that 64.7% of South African households had at least one member who had access to or used the internet either at home, work, place of study, or internet cafes. Access to internet using all available means was highest in, in Gauteng at 74.6%, Western As Cape at 72%, in the Eastern Cape, 55%. We need to change this enhancing telecommunication in the rural areas as this will allow them to participate in the new economy and even access global uh, markets. We cannot overemphasize that, Chairperson. We need to invest in the infrastructure so that we can begin to lay way leaves in the rural spaces of our country. And we must not be shy when we are talking about the rural communities. That is our added advantage as a country. We should use it as a blessing rather than a curse. That is our antiquity. That is our uniqueness. And the sooner we begin to invest in the manner that we are doing as the ANC government, the better we are going to see even better results so that we can have a balance of smart cities and smart villages. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mkiva. Yes, Mkiva. I will now invite Honorable Dr. Lamine Zuma, Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. And I would like to thank all the participants who have made inputs. And um, in my five minutes, I will just deal with a few. Um, one of the members was asking what happened to the RTP. The RTP is being integrated even in the DDM as we speak. So the RTP is still alive. And let me just educate a bit the, the honorable member who says I enjoy absolute power. Uh, in the ANC, we work as a collective. In the ANC government, we take decisions as a collective. So the process of dealing with the pandemic, there's the anthropocene. Then from the anthropocene, matters go to the presidential coordinating committee, which also has premiers 
who participate in that, and then eventually goes to cabinet, which takes the final decision. Uh, let me also say that um, when we say that um, the taxis, the taxi drivers did not use the taxi rank that was built for them. That's precisely what apartheid was doing, thinking for the people, giving them inferior uh, education, inferior housing, and telling them where they should live, where they should do what. That time is gone. We, we consult with the people. The, driver, the taxi drivers were teaching you how a developmental state and how a democratic state must behave. You can't just build a taxi rank without consulting the people who are going to use that taxi rank. So I hope the lesson that they taught you will live with you and will improve what you do in future. I also want to just say that we are being told that uh, in the Western Cape, there is honey and milk, and we are being told it's the best place. But let me just give you one example. In the Western Cape, the Nyanga Township has a population of in 2019, had a population of 200,332 people. But the police that were deployed there were only 161 per 100,000. And then Kemp's Bay, which had 5,524 people, the deployment there was 887 per 100,000 people. And you can't tell me that that's good governance. That's racism. It's not good governance. Of course, the people who live in those uh, areas, like Camps Bay, Hotin, you name it, they may agree with you. But people who live in Kailicha, Mitchell's Plain, and other places will have a different story. So the developmental state seeks to give a better life for all without discriminating. So I think also this thing of cater develop of cater deployment, I think you must disabuse yourself of that. We think we you, you think we don't know what's going on in the DA. And you were very quick to deny when a letter came out showing how you do your deployment. So please just give us a break. People who are deployed have the qualification, they must have the qualification, they must be interviewed, they must have competence. If they happen to be cadres, why not? So as long as people are competent, it, it, it shouldn't matter 
that the arcaders. But it's only when people who are not competent, who are not qualified, who don't have the capacity, then we can talk about that. Not that a person is a cadre per se. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, let me also uh, thank the ANC speakers who have highlighted a lot of progress, but at the same time saying, because we are not shy to say where things are not right, because we are the governing party and we don't have the monopoly of ideas. That's why we are embarking on the DDM, because the DDM is not only the three spheres of government, but it involves everyone. It involves the traditional leadership. It involves business. It involves women, youth. Everyone has a say in how development should happen in their area how the economy should grow in their area. And DDM brings everyone in the DDM forum. It's not exclusive of government. As you conclude, Minister. Yes, as I conclude, thank you very much. And I just want to say to the DA, they must go and fix what's going on in Kailicha, Nyanga, Guletu, Cape Flats, and stop making noise here when not a lot of problems in their own areas. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Malibongwe. Very good. Malibongwe, Minister. Malibongwe. Thank you. Malibongwe. That concludes uh, the debate. Honorable members, allow me to thank the Minister. Yes. Uh, Dr. Jamini Zuma, Minister of uh, Cooperative Governance and Regional Affairs, and all our MECs for availing themselves for this very important uh, debate. The House is officially adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Ah, <laughs> <laughs>